Well, um, it is actually sums up the, the um, experience I have in my uh, business life. And um, I came to this wording because I've always been working with people. I mean, I've, I also once had the slogan a long, a long time, it's all about people's biz and business. And, um, and that's actually the, the inner circle why um, I'm thinking about generations. I've been working very, very many years, over 25 years now, uh, coming from advertising, international advertising. I've been working with target groups and uh, that was very important to know the different generations and to work with them efficiently. Welcome to the third season of Job Sharing and Beyond. I am very appreciative to start this season with my guest Ulrike Kremer. Ulrike's impressive career includes decades of working as a senior leader in international advertising agencies, owning an employer branding consultancy and being the manager and a professor at the Institute of Design Germany. Her experience dealing with different generations and cultures throughout her life led her to start the Generations Ambassador. In this capacity, she's building bridges across generations and uses her vast knowledge as target group expert. Ulrike consults with employers to focus on age diversity as a success factor and coaches them how generations can work together optimally. Welcome to the show, Ulrike. Hello. It is so nice to see you. Now, we have listeners from all over the world. Could you tell them where you're calling in from and a particular, um, you know, food or site that they should be um, eating or looking at when they, um, you know, are in the area where you're living at? Well, I, I come from northern Germany, from Hamburg, and we are a big a port city. Actually, we are the biggest port city in Germany. And um, I would say if, if people really want to eat something typical, then probably it would be something roundabout fish. Because if you are uh, near the, the seaside, um, we actually, the port is at a river, the River Elbe. And, and the seaside, we have uh, the Northern Sea and the Baltic Sea, where we can drive to in about half an hour. And um, most people, of course, would say this is fish. Fish is the, is the typical thing, which is really fresh and good to eat. But on the other side, as um, I um, uh, also want to say that we are in an international city. We also say we are the, uh, the port to the world. That is our slogan in, in Hamburg. Um, we also have a lot of international food. And as I must say, I love uh, the Asian uh, side of the fish food more than the German actually and I love eating sushi and everything and of course you get that when you are in, in the in the area around the harbor you can also have all these wonderful places where you can buy wonderful fresh fish which is then of course very important if you eat it raw and uh, yeah that's what I would recommend but anyway in Germany we have all these typical uh, things around uh, potatoes probably <laughs> if you <laughs> Some countries even say we are potatoes. I, I once heard that in some countries they call us potato. <laughs> But I, I must say I don't eat such a lot of potatoes. So um, I, I wouldn't say that such a lot anymore nowadays. But of course, 
potatoes can be very delicious and pommes frites and klöße and, and uh, noodles and uh, made out of potatoes. There are so many kinds of uh, uh, things you can make from potatoes. And I think we, we uh, are very creative nowadays and we have so we have all the also the the french kitchen the nouvelle cuisine because that is nearby um germany and uh, there of course uh, they have new ideas how to to cook we have lovely dishes so everything can be dis, uh, discovered and i like to invite people to come to hamburg because most uh, countries in the world they always only know munich and the schwarzwald the black forest and, uh, and it's a shame because Hamburg is one of the most beautiful bridge cities. We have the most bridges, even more bridges than Venice. And uh, because we have so many rivers and we have two huge lakes in the middle of the town and we are very green town, very broad streets, lovely housings, old fashioned and modern housings. And so I think there's a lot you can discover here. Thank you so much, Ulrike. I've been a couple of times to Hamburg, but now as you described it, I feel I need to revisit. <laughs> of course, you are. I've already said to you, if I come to Canada, but of course the other way around, um, if you are here, you must tell me, then we meet and, and I will show you a few places if I am allowed to. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So, you know, now I'm very curious to find out you call your organization the Generations Ambassador. Could you share with our listeners why you decided to call it like that? Well, um, it just actually sums up the, the um, experience I have in my uh, business life. And um, I came to this wording because I've always been working with people. I mean, I've, I also once had the slogan a long, a long time, it's all about people's biz and business and um, and that's actually the, the inner circle why um, I've been thinking about generations. I've been working very, very many years, over 25 years now, uh, coming from advertising, international advertising. I've been working with target groups and uh, that was very important to know the different generations and to work with them efficiently. As target groups and con uh, consumers, and of course, also now I've been working in industry as employer branding specialists. And there again, we see the people in the middle of our interest. And uh, after a while, you, you, if you have a longer, long-term experience, you, I always say to myself, I'm, I'm just like an albatross or like, a, like an eagle. And I fly over the people and over the subjects. And I look from the top and then you see a lot of things. And you, um, you also... Uh, have to work on more things nowadays. I think there is a, a bigger necessity that the generations have to be uh, brought better together again. And my focus is now on the business world. And after having the young people, the very young, the next generation, the generation set in my school where I was the boss uh, at, at the Institute of Design Germany. I was over 15 years, the headmaster from Hamburg, Berlin uh, and Dusseldorf. And um, there I was always working with the very young people. And of course you, you find out a lot of things where you can work on and where you have to put a new focus on, a new work focus and a new transformational focus. 
that's how I actually uh, came to this uh, wording that I want to be uh, somebody caring for all generations. I think that is such an important thing. And in my mind, it's often still completely undervalued that each generation can bring an enormous amount of, you know, knowledge and like, you know, different viewpoints to an organization and together innovative new ideas can come out. That's it. That's it. And then the funny thing about it was that once I had uh, found this naming and came to this uh, solution that I'm going to start from that side. And of course, not as an organization at the first part, but as a um, consultant and a consultant mm -hmm. company. And um, then I suddenly uh, reminded myself that I had once started my professional life also with the idea when I was at school, I always used to say when I'm grown up, I'm going to be an ambassador. And that again was uh, because I had uh, traveled and lived in lots of countries uh, when I was already a very small child. And my, my uh, private life was started that I always had to adapt to all kinds of generations and also to all kinds of uh, cultures and countries and languages and hap uh, attitudes and so on. And that is, was the most important thing was to, to uh, uh, try to get, get quickly comfortable with everything you have new around you again. And that's why when I was uh, getting older, I said, okay, when I'm growing up, I want to have a better world. I want to work on, on a better world. And then I want to be an ambassador. And that's why I started to study law. <laughs> that's, that's, but I, I didn't have that in mind, actually. When I, when I had found this new uh, focus in my life, it was not in my mind that it had been my first focus when I was at school. <laughs> that's so interesting how in the end, right, all the different pieces fit together. Yes, that's, that's anyway in my life. I've had it a few times already that uh, if also people who have not seen me for a long time, they look and focus on me, then they, they also have this kind of looking and they say then in the end, well, it all fits. It's everything for, for people who don't know me, they would maybe sometimes say, huh? you studied law, then you uh, were at an agency and you know, all this, and they can't put that puzzle together. But if, if you, as I said before already, if you are like an eagle, um, and I, I just keep that in mind because I have a little eagle story for that. It's also a funny story from Canada, I must say. Um, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. And um, when when I uh, say you you fly over the whole thing, then you also look at the world at or your life as a puzzle, and suddenly you can see that that fits. It, as you say, these parts, everything I have learned has wasn't was very the necessity. I had to learn all this so that I could be this generational ambassador. That, yeah, it's so now obviously I want to find out what's the story about the ego. <laughs> yeah, it was really funny. I was visiting my girlfriend as the maid of honor for the for her marriage. Yes, I was uh, coming to visit her as her uh, best girlfriend from Germany. And when I was there in Halifax, she said, what, let's go to the, the Native American uh, reservations. I'll show you our history of the country 
and we will go there. And um, in, in the moment we came there, uh, I saw the boss from the First Nation Reservation and he, he uh, came and he said, if you want to uh, be lucky, then you can, uh, here's a bag and you, I love these things. <laughs> I'm, I've always also been a little bit spiritual. I always think these things are wonderful. And it was such a wonderful energy and I loved it. And I said, okay, he said, you go with your hand inside and you get a coin and um, you can uh, do this three times. And uh, each of us did this. And then he said, I can tell you something about your, your uh, role in life and so on. And, and <laughs> this was so funny. My, my girlfriend, she put her hand in and she got something uh, around her love life and her passion, passionate and, and her role. Actually, it fitted absolutely. And I uh, put my hand inside and I got the golden eagle. Yeah. And he said, you have the role that you... Uh, you are flying over uh, the people and your role is to uh, look forward and to uh, yeah to to be with the people to look forward Aww. and also to to see that they have a secure and a good uh, um, future that was actually that what he said and at that time i was the the headmaster of my school and i thought it was perfect no and it, it, it is still perfect. And it, I, as I say, I often have this feeling that I am this eagle because sometimes I really have a different point of view. And um, it is a sum of the experience and the life experience one has. But in the end, it is also that I really sometimes saw myself in this role that I always pick out, <laughs> pick <laughs> like an eagle, but I pick out things which are really important for society or for, for the circumstances I'm in. And then I, I work around this topic. And, and I've done that a few times already in my life. Right. And now it was for me, of course, the focus in the whole generational project was also the focus on the elderly people working, the workforce people um, which are aging and my own uh, group of people. I said to myself, um, I have been working long enough on this uh, youth theme and I have this in my head and I'm always passionate for them and I've always been together with them and I love them. But now it's also my effort against the society, if you say it like this, because trendy is, of course, always youth. Of course, other things are more trendy in these diversity matters. There are so many trendy uh, themes, but I'm going to take the one which is not so sexy, as we say, and um, I'm taking the best ages. Uh, they are um, in the aging, they are between 45 and 67. So till you are going in pension or till you are uh, stopping your work life normally. And um, I, I said, if I'm going to do a little bit more information and uh, giving more research and all that into it, then I'm going to take this part of the generational process and put a focus on side. And then, um, of course, I'm connecting it to the other generations and to the processes we have in work life. I mean, this is so amazing. And, you know, as I'm a big fan of flexible work, in particular job sharing, one of the things that I feel fits so well is that intergenerational mentoring and working together because it could be used that you might have somebody who is, you know, maybe five years away from retiring, but has knowledge that could be transferred. And then having 
then work together with somebody who might have more technical skills. And mm -hmm. so they exchange knowledge. So, yeah. Of course. And it is also the interesting part of it is not only the mentoring. The mentoring is one thing that we, of course, also uh, experience now that we say, okay, uh, we used to be in a, in a um, down-up positioning yeah. uh, all these years and nowadays we often have it like this that from the beginning on the the youngest is already maybe the the most uh, interesting part of the story and he is telling or she is telling us something uh, what we have to know and helping others every day and so on but for me I must actually say I don't think it is so new I think it's only that we are now making it uh, or putting it into structure, and that I see in my role, as have been working with very many young people, of course, in a university, you always have these very many young people. But on the other side, you also have all these lecturers, and you have all these experienced people from industry. And I was, uh, I had, when I started there, um, I also started, the first thing I was doing was uh, doing a program for young people for, who didn't have enough money. And I started with a, a masterclass. I called it Meisterklasse in German. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I started a little um, advertising agency where the students um, are doing this company already alone. Wow. And yeah, and on this, um, on this basis, they were capable of uh, having experience to industry, but they also had the, uh, the possibility to earn money to finance their private uh, a student loan and in Germany we usually actually have state universities and the private universities are the only ones who need money uh, so the state universities the students in state universities in in very many areas in Germany they don't have to pay a lot so um, the big difference is that if you go to private university that it is a privilege and so mostly of course at the beginning of the years when these private universities started it was a privilege for richer children and uh, so my first idea was when I, I already knew that from, from industry, I had been in a big company as well. And there I had already worked on a paper for uh, children and, and poor children also in G Germany, in Europe and so on. And um, so I already had very much experience from these research areas. And so I, I said, uh, now I can see it at the universities that now also the poor children are grown up and now they are students. And I want to have more equality because I want the focus on the talent and not on the, on the money. You know? right. And so um, that was a quite good idea to say, okay, if uh, these young students, and in my, my case, my students were communication designers, uh, digital designers and film and photo photography students, illustrators, and so on. And um, later on also communication managers. And so I, uh, of course, with a little uh, advertising agency, students agency, masterclass, a masterclass, um, they had uh, already their experience before they started after the study, they were already experienced workers. So that was in lots of cases, a very, very good idea. And we often won awards and prizing, uh, prizes and whatever, because um, we had such a lot of experience already in the students' time. I, I think that's, that's amazing. And it also, I feel then gives the students, as you said, right from the get-go, the ability to work with different, you know, p 
people of different generations. generations. Exactly. So they, they just sort of get prepared peu à peu to do that. Yeah. Yes. And of course, I, as I was capable of uh, choosing my uh, lecturers and my professors myself, uh, if you are a, a, a state university, you have to always see what's in the law. You have, you're only allowed to take special people as professor. But if you are a private university, you can take the boss from an, from an advertising agency or you can take a famous film producer as, as a lecturer. And that's exactly what I did. So I started putting in all areas, we had 35 uh, uh, subjects. And in all subjects, I tried to get the best of the best <laughs> teacher and lecturer I could get. And so they also had all these different ages. They, some were very young, because if you have artificial intelligence, or you're working with a drone, or you're uh, developing apps, mostly the teachers weren't that old yet. But if you had people in areas like uh, um, uh, film production and regie and uh, or, for instance, uh, illustration or fine arts or whatever, or philosophy of arts or whatever, you know, right. then it was again interesting. Or even if you had, for instance, I, I was, for instance, I was teaching campaign management, marketing and campaign management, for instance, then it was, of course, good that I have all the best cases in my head and I don't have to go to a dictionary <laughs> or to library or I don't have to look by Google, but I have it in my head. I said, well, when we were doing Lego or when we were doing Procter & Gamble Pampers, the mother binding program, that's actually from me. And then I could tell little stories and and they were, of course, fascinated about that, that it wasn't only from books and from lecturing. So um, this this was the intergenerational, uh, what, what I, of course, also always thought was very, very grand idea what we could have at our Institute of Design. And um, then later on, of course, uh, now that I'm uh, trying to find new things we should, we should start, I can, of course, take all these experiences again, which I have out from this time. And of course, we also had, when we had the industry in-house, we also got real projects we were doing for the industry. And um, therefore, instance, we also had <laughs> from baby programs, to uh, funerals. Wow. <laughs> I, I once did a, with my students in my course campaign management, I had a, a funeral company, the biggest funeral company from Hamburg. We are a state. We are not only a city, we're also a state. And uh, so this, this is a real, real big company. And in every district of our state, they, they, have, a, they have shops and, and uh, are the, the people for these kind of themes. And I was thinking, this is nothing students like. But you can't imagine how creative the students got when they were having to think about the death and, 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 and the process around the death. What has to be organized? How can the service be? How can it be improved? What would be the modern kind of uh, funeral? How uh, are we going to do that intercultural? How are we doing it interreligious? Because our country is getting uh, more Islam and, and, and all kinds of religions. So in the end, we have to get much more international. And that was so fascinating to see how the lecturers and the students were, were working on these themes and had so good and creative ideas to, so, to solve them over YouTube lecturing and learning and, and little films, little uh, uh, explanation films and so on. Really, really nice, yeah. 
Wow. And there you could see intergenerational was a good idea. Right. No, absolutely. <laughs> and I think also, you know, it, it teaches the um, the students life lessons because, you know, at that age, typically, I imagine you don't really think about death. But if you do that, like from a, I would say maybe you know, neutral point of view, if that's the right word to, you know, you can then reflect and you really think about what you know you as a student want to do with your life so i feel that quote unquote you know little exercise might be actually changing their perspective on their entire career because then they look backwards and think if i am at that point where i'm close to death what would i like to have looked back on in my life right so and at that time they were the generation y that was the generation Y I had in my lessons because that was over 15 years right. lecturing and I had the generation Y and then in the end I also had the generation Z mm -hmm. and um, there I could already see that um, all these things like these uh, this theme death or nature or catastrophes or crisis or whatever that there was more and more purpose in all these things so I also from that point of view I could see all the things I when you are working in research or you work working in marketing you often see it on the on the script but you don't really see it in in life you know and in this case you could really see how this this young generation why at that time um when they were starting to grow up that they were every year when they had their exams they only wanted to have themes round purpose yeah. <laughs> and i remember the one year when my boss and me said Please, nothing where we have to cry such a lot again, because it was always so sad. They had so, it was always something dying. It was the bees dying. It was the birds we don't see in the cities anymore. It was always something where they were thinking about. And then they were in, um, inventing products and packaging ideas and uh, uh, new methods to, to get people together who are alone. And it was fascinating already to see in, in the years uh, with the themes of the examens, uh, how much they think about the world and, and everything between the world, you know? And that was for me, of course, also very inspiring. So um, as we were talking about mentoring, if you would see it from that point of view, you are inside and you are the boss from the whole thing. You can also take up these, these uh, things and make new ideas. I made, uh, invented uh, uh, awards. I, I invented new contacts then and I brought the people together. And, and once I know the one boy, he was thinking about the stars and the astrology. And then I connected him with the planetarium, Hamburg. And um, he could uh, put his new ideas into the reorganization form from this house. And it's, it's really fascinating what you can do if the right people come together and if you put the right people together and you make, um, you don't let the ideas uh, go into a drawer, as I say, you, you put them into life and put it together with people so that everybody in the end, there is a big cosmos again. It's it sounds fascinating. And now so for people who are listening to us, like who might be HR leaders or business leaders, like often like all the knowledge say you just described about yourself and how you were able to connect people when somebody, for example, um, takes time out to do care work maybe for five or 10 years and tries to return back to paid work and has 
outside of work, established a network and all this knowledge. How is it possible that, you know, that they return and that that knowledge they have can also be utilized within an organization? What do you, you know, what advice do you have for business leaders? Well, I have, I have put up a new a generational work life cycle program myself. Mm -hmm. And uh, in this work, uh, generational work life cycle, I, I try to uh, give more uh, emphasis on the um, ageless organization form, where I say it doesn't really matter how old somebody is, it really matters how much um, time does he bring, how much experience does he want to give us, and, and what um, themes are in his normal life in the moment also important to see. And if we see it more from that side, then I think we can make a better thing uh, between the, the genders, then we can, uh, if we now also get a little bit more successful that men help more at home with, with these themes care, then we're not talking about women anymore. If you are talking about care, we talk now already about a sandwich generation we have now in the moment. We have a sandwich generation which is now working with children and same time already working for the elderly. And uh, that is a double uh, uh, task which ladies, mostly ladies at home have And then on the top, they also have this task to work and to earn their, their savings for getting old later on, because we now have a big problem in Europe that the elderly women don't have enough savings for, uh, for their elderly times, because we were always thinking in our system we have in Germany and in Europe, we were always thinking that women are always organized with their husband till they die. But this is not the fact anymore. We have more and more divorces. And of course, when, when the women are divorced latest, latest then, then lots of uh, women say, I want to go to work again, or I have to work again. And then um, it can't be that if women are alone with the children and have the task to, to be alone doing all the care job at home, um, then of course now the society is discussing more and more that it has to be equally tied up between uh, the genders, that both sides have uh, a responsibility for the children. And of course, then in those spaces where the responsibility is not so high anymore, the, the lady has more energy to put more uh, uh, effort into the working place. And, and, and later on, of course, when people get older, the parents and the parents, for instance, from my husband get older, then it's still often like this, that the woman has to do the job for the care. And this, of course, can't be, because now it, it, we, all of the younger women, they at least already know now that they have to think of saving for their old, uh, older times, and they want to have a good life later on as well. And they must think earlier than the, than the um, senior women we have nowadays. We have very poor people also, because they didn't... Uh, earn any own money and uh, so I think we have to think of new programs in the in the industry uh, and one idea is that we say that I say in my generational work life cycle that there can also be a second career the career doesn't start at the beginning it can also start and we call the the generation empty nester the generation empty nester is the generation they had children 
and children have left the house already. They are older now, they are studying, they have left homes and they are, have their own uh, lives already. And now the nest is empty. That's why they are called empty nester in marketing. And these, this generation empty nester, they want to start career again. They have a lot of time, experience, uh, discipline and all these things which the industry really needs now. And as we don't have enough young people and we always are discussing what can we do in Germany to get more young people and so on and so on. And that's everywhere in Europe. The, the, um, uh, the, the countries are getting too old and we didn't have enough children at that time. Right. So we have a lack of children, actually. Not children. We have the lack of uh, people ready to start working. And um, so in the end, it is anyway um, a good idea to look what do we have uh, by people between 30 and, and 67, what can we do with these people? And to think of new structures in the working place so that we can really make more individual offers and start um, giving more um, offers like, for instance, what we said already, senior with junior together as a tandem, or uh, that we start from the first day on when I come into the into the company, the onboarding, I already start uh, introducing them with elderly and connecting them straight away. It used to be like that, that the people were always said, you wait, you're not that far yet. You have to wait 20 years. Then you can talk to doctor, whatever. <laughs> and that's so stupid because I mean, uh, in smaller companies, we know that they anyway talk, but in big companies, it is, it used to be still a little bit different. And um, I think we can learn a lot from, from other countries. We can learn a lot from smaller uh, structures and from smaller companies, we can learn a lot. And of course, as I said, um, we can also learn from the people we have in our companies. If we have mothers in our company, why don't we ask the mothers, what experience do you have with the generation set? You had them at home. Can you help me? <laughs> then it's stupid to ask the generation set themselves. It's good to ask people who have worked with them, who have motivated them, who have made them strong and, and grown up and so on. And why don't we take this experience our mothers have they have such a lot of experience in intergenerational wise, much more, much more intuition, lots of empathy. And why don't we use it? I couldn't agree more. That's one of the reasons I have this podcast to talk about, you know, transferable skills, just as you mentioned, the empathy, all of these skills that I feel are like, you know, a soft skill training um, course that is often still so undervalued. And um, as you said, it's important that, you know, with new generations, it's people that realize more and more care work can be done by anybody. It doesn't have to be a particular gender, gender. anybody can do it. And it helps to learn new skills. And, um, and like, you know, as you've described your own background, sometimes having a non-linear path, in the end, it all fits together. And these puzzle pieces create something that without or with a more linear career path might not have um, worked. 
That is so true. I mean, I myself also had that when I was, I was very early in early stage already, uh, very high uh, in my career. And I was already with, with, uh, yeah, well, about 26, 27, I was already um, on a management board. And uh, when I was 27, 28, I was already getting worldwide coordinator and uh, was only beneath the European seal. And um, so I already, before I got my own child, I was already uh, <laughs> quite experienced. And, um, but later on, I could also see, of course, that in lots of organizations, the women had to uh, say either I get mother or I do career. So we also had a lot of years and lots of role models we can see nowadays, just like Angela Merkel, for instance, <laughs> um, Angie, who, who has just stopped now, um, that they often are without children. And um, it's, not, it's not only that you say, oh, she would have liked to, whatever. I don't know how it is. I'm just saying lots of women I could see who were the management board or who were um, in the same position as I was, uh, they weren't without children. And I was... Uh, then later on, uh, um, I uh, unfortunately got divorced myself. And so from, from a special moment on, I, I always had to care for the money and for the, uh, the social and, and the emotional side of my daughter. And, um, and so I was really in charge of everything. My husband didn't pay, although he, was, he did have his money as a company owner, but he didn't pay and so I really had to do everything and um, it was a very hard tough job but at that time the bosses always said I don't want to hear anything I don't want to see anything I want you to be perfect if you are in this role you are in this role and uh, so it was actually hot or top so you could either decide to be disciplined and to keep it for yourself or to manage it perfectly and and so I, I also uh, could a few things I had learned already, I could then manage for my own life. <laughs> so also there, it, it was again, my, my uh, organizational task I had as a manager, I could then use also for the private uh, area. And often when I had, uh, when my boss paid me the babysitter so that I could uh, make a pitch somewhere in Europe, and then I came back home again, I always gave my poor girlfriends who were also divorced and didn't have such a lot of money, I always gave them then the contract. And I said, you can look uh, after my, ch my child. They're anyway friends, the children. And uh, so she doesn't really see it as a, as a babysitter or something job. She just sees it as playing with friends. And, um, and you can get the babysitter contract from my boss. Yeah, so I, I was also paying all my girlfriends roundabout with, with the babysitter contracts. <laughs> Yeah. So that in the end, I was again doing something to make the world a better place, also a little, a little place better, not a lot, but a little bit. So you can also see also in the small, tiny forms, you can try to, to use the things you anyway have to do. You can organize them so that everybody has, has a cosmos together again. Wow. Yeah, it's, you know, listening to you, I can really tell that, you know, your own background, having lived in many different countries, and having to basically start all over with, you know, getting to know the language, people that how that has influenced you and how, you know, you create communities wherever you go. 
Yes, I, I, we had to always learn it new again, because of course, how can you know what can happen to a child when you are working? For instance, you get the phone call and it says, your daughter is bleeding, you have to come straight away. And you are sitting in an international meeting because you had said, A, you had said, yes, I want to be this management on board and I want to be perfect. And then on the other side, the catastrophe in your private life and you can't have this husband who can can drive there quickly or he isn't there when you need him or whatever but at least i had to be professional i had to organize it i had to think what to do next yes and so of course it was quite good to have a few um ideas before you start that's what i always say to young women as well i say it's not the problem that you can't do career but you can't expect the whole world to always do everything for you you have to organize it yourself and maybe it's good to to think about all these possibilities before you start because that would make you more professional and maybe you would be then a manager on the long term because often it is like this that women have the point that they are of course more emotional and in the moment the catastrophe comes or the crisis they can't suddenly be the weak uh, crying uh, lady any anymore they have to still be the boss because they are the strong one they people have to uh, look to you and they are waiting that you you are strong and uh, you can't just leave them because uh, you say now i'm going home and i have to go to my child or i have to do this or whatever private um, you can't just leave the company when you are a boss or you are a manager and you are organizing a very very important thing if you are in politics or whatever you wouldn't imagine Angie going home because he says her, my husband fell down the stairs or whatever. Of course, she knows that he fell down the stairs, but she has to still maybe three hours long. She has to do the job and then she will go home. Yeah? But that doesn't mean that she has not organized something at the same time. So I say be prepared is anyway a good philosophy for many such circumstances. And I do think I have learned that through my uh, my not really prepared life, <laughs> moving a lot around every two, three years with the parents when I was very small, um, working together with many, many situations I hadn't known before. Also in other countries, if you have earthquakes and poisonous animals and you're living in circumstances where maybe fires break out or you don't have any water or whatever. I mean, also in Africa, you did have more to do with um, crisis than you have maybe if you live in Europe yeah. no? and we often were asked to help and then we sat in the car we got blankets and we drove and we helped with the fire or we did you know that from from uh, US as well I think probably but we also when there were catastrophes or crisis we then were asked and then we went there yeah and so we were always uh, already when we were small we were already learned to help others more than maybe in in countries where everything is organized from the state yeah i i would say in the us there is definitely you know a very large culture of like volunteering and philanthropy philanthropy yes yeah. because the the government is not as you know supportive and um yeah, I, I remember, I think like, you know, and it starts, I mean, to be honest, it starts in the school system there already, that the involvement from, um, you know, parents or caregivers, I think is much bigger than maybe in Europe from, you know, putting together events or things like this. There is a, you know, maybe a different expectation. Yes. 
And that was for what I also experienced. I was when I was in South Africa, I was uh, a brownie, a Girl Scout. Mm -hmm. And um, there, of course, it was a different learning. Even if you are a scout in Europe, you would never need all these things. But if you learn to make a fire or you learn how to make knots or you learn how to read the compass and if you are in the in the desert that you know where to go to whatever what to eat and so on so you did learn the things uh, with a different point of view than if you learn these things in europe as a scout so in in that case it was also uh, different uh, growing up and um for for instance i always had uh, we learned always i promised to do my best to garden the country to help other people every day especially those at home and we always had to collect money so and every time i had the money together i had to give it to the brownies and then we gave it to orphan children and, we, and of course in africa you have lots of orphans uh, mostly the native uh, africans and um, we from small on already learned that we were doing it for the orphan children, for instance, or we were doing it for others, so on. So um, I was also already practicing purpose and mission and all these things in the daily base. So for me, it's, it has always been normal that I, I, I never stopped, actually, if I think right. about it, yeah. um, rescuing or caring for, for others, because that was actually that what we also learned at school. Yeah. yeah. Wow, it, it, it's just wonderful talking with you and, you know, and having you reflect on your life and how it all, you know, fit together to the day where you are now and what you're doing now to bring different generations together. Yes, and I think that is also the most important thing we can do, that we reflect on that, what we've learned, and then we give it on. So, so then, uh, as uh, just like... Uh, my one girlfriend once said when I was a sad, it was a sad day and I was thinking, oh, nobody's saying thank you. And um, I'm so exhausted sometimes at the school, at this private school of design. And, and then she said to me, you must always think those are all little apostles who are going out there now every day and, and everything you have done and everything you have started with your masterclass or with your um, uh, bringing people together, connecting and whatever. And the funny thing is, it's not funny actually, but it's, it's nice to see. There are really so many of them where I'm so proud of them. Uh, when I see them, I'm still friends with them in social media. That's why I'm in all channels, actually. And in every channel, I have a lot of them. And uh, most, of course, in the also in the professional channels, of course, nowadays. But it's still sometimes, even although I've already stopped the, the business now uh, in that school uh, since 2019, because our boss was 84 and he didn't want the schools anymore. And he closed them. He shut them down. And... Um, but it, every time they have something to show, then they always say, programmer, look here. <laughs> it's so nice to see how they are proud. And then if there is an initiative, and so often they, then they are at the, the top of the initiative. And they are again also doing voluntarily things or putting their footprints at the top of a, of a movement or... Um, yeah, um, I've seen it a lot already that uh, or they have their own agencies already and they are the bosses and the mamas from other smaller and younger people. <laughs> and, and then they show that they have learned a lot in these years. And um, I can see that there are a lot of things uh, they are really doing right. And I'm, I'm very proud and happy and also modest in the one way, of course, also to see that then um, it is also a different kind of thank you, you know, 
that you can see it wasn't it, of course it is always very um innovating and and my, sometimes also sad and sometimes you know how it is like a mother also it's not right. always happy day yeah yeah <laughs> not every day always only uh, happiness but it is then in the end if you see the results then then it's really wonderful to see and even if the results are maybe 10 years later or whatever you know right because i feel you know you were setting little seeds planting little seeds because it sounds like what you taught them and what you created wasn't quote unquote just teaching material you was you know planting life lessons and you know and um the way to look at things as you were saying you know volunteering and that all came from your own experience from all across the world so that's just wonderful <laughs> yeah that's that's uh Thank you that you, you summarize it like yeah. this. Yes, thank you. So now, I mean, I could talk with you forever, Ulrike, but like, you know, um, is there anything you feel we have not touched upon today that you would like to share with our audience? I think we have had so many themes already. Also in the part we won't know yet if we if we're going to use it or not, but in the end, we had so many parts already. I'm actually quite happy. I could only say maybe, uh, Karen, just to change the roles uh, in, in thinking of reverse, why not now change the role to you? If there would be anything you would like to put on top from your side, your point of view, to, to give the thing a new perspective or to show your side, because you, as I say, as a reflection and echo, I say you are such a wonderful person yourself. So maybe you put something on top, what is missing? Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at all of the things you've said, and I feel one thing is somebody who is a business leader who is listening to you can, I think, immediately see, wow, what are we missing if we do not hire all generations? And in particular, utilize the experience from people that are, you know, further along in their career or age. But sometimes I feel whether it is the system that people can apply for jobs will hinder them from actually getting to the point that they are invited to interviews and are able to talk about the experiences. And that's sort of how can we change the HR system to ensure that there is a broader representation when there are jobs being offered or in, in job ads. I think the necessity that they see that they don't have enough younger people to, to really choose from. And, and, and to say another part, which we didn't say yet, I mean, if we have the migration in Germany as well, we have in some areas in our city, we have 72% which are migrational uh, background. And we have a few language problems as well. And, As we have a few things in, in business where you need the perfect language or where you, you really say we need these and these skills and they aren't there because if people have been 10 years um, uh, looking for a new country to live in, they didn't go to school, for instance, or whatever, you know. So we have to be a little, we have to learn to get more individual again. And uh, it is a little bit in contrast that we are now talking about automation and uh, artificial intelligence in human resource selection. 
passing machines and all that stuff that is of course actually a contrast but on the other side if we know we don't have so many to choose from anymore in the younger generation maybe we will look at second time and third time to that what we have and we of course in germany have a big population in the in the female uh, population we have a big percentage of women who aren't working full time yet and maybe who didn't have the the possibility to return back again you know so there is a big potential and the other potential is that what i said the 50 plus or the best ages where we can look a second time and maybe uh, have a different point of uh, seeing the people and not always saying it's everything is university and 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 education and so on it it is more what has happened between the university and the time we are now looking at each other and what can we we find uh, what potential can we discover in their uh, life being in their um, experience uh, life and what can we use for us and then it is maybe even better to look now if we have a crisis it is also good to look at the creative people to look for people who uh, come from a different perspective who come from a different branch who have a different point of view who have a different cultural experience who are diverser and that would again fit very well to that population we have now which is heterogeneous than before what is multiculti and which is also diverse and so on and so on and then um, maybe not being that perfect anymore because perfect language isn't possible anymore if you have so many different nationalities then it um, other things are more focused and that's why i think the big chance we now have in this transformation is that we again get uh, also the selection process to a more individualized uh, process and maybe that loyalty also counts more again in companies that uh, we try to keep the people longer that we treat them better longer long-term thinking not short-term explanation but uh, long-term um, uh, treating each other well mm -hmm. and well-being as a big word in uh, feeling well in your circumstances and then um, like we have the loyalty programs in marketing, having the loyalty programs also with our resources we have, our human resources. Why do we call them human? Because they are people, they are not a subject or an object. So um, that is, I think, the big chance we now have. If it is taken up, as you say, it is the best thing uh, we can do in the next years for all sides. Thank you. That is such a perfect ending to our conversation. Now, Ulrike, how can people find you on social media? Google. <laughs> <laughs> Put in my, my name. Um, and then, of course, with the, with the word Generationsbotschafterin in, in German, that is also a hashtag. And as we, the people who are from social media, we all know that the hashtag is also a way to find each other. Then I also have the, the hashtag um, Altersdiversität, age diversity. Age inclusion is, of course, also a, a place where one finds things like that. But anyway, also generational ambassador. And that's why I think you find me in LinkedIn, Sing. Uh, I'm even on Snapchat, a little bit TikTok, not so much. Pinterest, I have quite a long term uh, uh, time there already. 
and of course facebook and uh, instagram and twitter i'm actually everywhere yeah. <laughs> because i always did that with my students and i've also also done a lot of courses uh, social media marketing courses social media advertising and social media channeling and all that stuff uh, web analytics and so on so anyway that's anyway a place where i am and um, if somebody wants to connect me of course on my website that is https generationsbotschafterin.de of course that is german but um, it's it's still a little bit a startup since two years about that I'm starting with this naming. And so I've started now, of course, in the German market. But as you see, I can also speak English to you. <laughs> you know what, Ulrike, I will be sure to put all of the links into the show notes so people can connect with you. Well, Thank you, thank you. <laughs> that was such a, you know, interesting and insightful conversation. So thank you so much for being my guest today. It was the same to me on this side. I'm, I'm, uh, it's, it is really so appreciated. Thanks so much. And it's lovely to talk to you. I so appreciated having Ulrike as my guest. We talked a lot about her experience growing up and why all the different pieces within her life in the end felt like a puzzle that came together and it made her the perfect candidate to be the generation's ambassador. And as Ulrike had alluded a little bit early on to, we had an additional part of our conversation that um, was not part of the official interview. However, so many aspects of it were so interesting so that I felt as a little bonus I'm adding them here to the end of our conversation. So if you want to learn a little bit more of what Ulrike's upbringing was as far as the countries she lived in as well as the experiences that she had because she had to move frequently and it really I feel helps to get a better understanding not only for Ulrike, but for anybody who is working with somebody who might have lived in different countries, especially as a child, and why they might be very creative and able to maybe see things from many different aspects, because as a child, they had to learn pretty much every time anew, different circumstances, different languages, so thank you again, Ulrike, for sharing your experience so that our listeners can learn and gain insights from it. I've lived in four different countries and I've seen best practices about many things, right? And, and not so good practices too. And so ideally, I would like to you know, take pieces of each country's experience I've had and clump it all together and make one yeah. best practice out That's of it, true. right? Well, I'm actually anyway, anyway, a mixture of all because I, uh, when I was a very small child, I moved to other countries. And so I, I also had to, uh, yeah, learn to know these, these new nations, the new languages and also the habits and attitudes. And so I think, um, that I, I was very impressed one day when I was by a big management uh, um, scenery and uh, 
the top lady who was um, giving the lecturer at that day, she came to me and she said, what are you doing here? And I said, sorry. <laughs> she said, you're different than the others here from this huge company, the name I'm not saying. Yes. <laughs> and she said, you, you are somehow different and uh, you, you are much more intercultural than the others. Ah, I said, how do you see that? She said, because one can see that uh, where people uh, got uh, grown up and uh, where they had their childhood, you can see... Uh, the very mo most important, I know we know it from psychology, that the first seven years are the most important. Yeah. And, um, and in the end, um, those seven years were already in another country. <laughs> yeah. um, I was four and a half when we moved to England. And uh, later on, we moved to South Africa, to Cape Town. And then I also had to learn Afrikaans, not only English, but Afrikaans. And so um, that was already the first part of my life. And when I came back with about 13, 14, I was in Germany again. And then I had to straight away be perfect in German. I couldn't speak German very well. <laughs> and so I, I also have uh, these, um, these ideas of being a foreigner because I've, I've been the foreigner in England. I've been the foreigner in South Africa. And I was, of course, the foreigner coming back to Germany again. Yeah. So I know how it is. <laughs> I, I think it's like a, a humbling experience. That's what I would say. And I always feel anybody truly should be living in a foreign country for maybe three months, six months, because I think the mindset will shift. And also, I think it helps people to think on their feet much faster, think much more flexible. Of, yeah. like how to come up with solutions because in some country it might not work the way one had thought it you know it's it's i think people realize there is not just one way of doing things and that's right yeah so but i think the longest uh, transformation is if you if you have the uh, the gift to be in in very early age in other true. countries because it, of course in that age that i could also see with my own parents my father he he was project manager and uh, in a technical company big technical company and um in in this case he he had all these very very difficult words he he was of course using every day but my parents both of them they even if although they had already had a little bit english and uh, at school of course and uh, and were on a higher academic level um still it was uh, always a german uh, approach and right. so i think for, if you are a child it, it remains longer in your head for your whole lifetime i think that's, I, I stuff right. that is uh, I think it's very interesting for lots of people in the world yes. you know that anyway the young people they always want to travel 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 and um, but it is a different thing again to say okay the one thing is um, if you are voluntarily traveling or if you are a child like I was and you are put from one place to the next and you aren't asked. And when we left the country and we had to go back to Germany, we were very disappointed and we were also very sad and we were also very angry. Being an expat and what skills one learns and, you know, the adaptability. I mean, you, I am sure, are able to come to a new place, a new situation and based on your childhood experiences are able to probably much faster adapt to it yes. because that's what you had to learn right that was actually right at the beginning of my career already i already had uh, the possibility um that i got chances in in business um that i was the one was which was allowed to travel to other countries 
and they very quickly found out that I was very easily um, adaptable to all kinds of situations and even they also straight away saw that I had a better understanding uh, for, for um, although I didn't have very many experiences in job yet, they could see that alone over the language and over the cosmopolitan experience I had had, that I was able, capable of uh, adapting to all kinds of uh, negotiable uh, skills, which I actually couldn't have, actually, <laughs> but uh, which then was e much more easier. And uh, also the foreigners, foreigners we came to, they always said we want to have Eureka, she should come again. <laughs> so, so the next time I was traveling alone already uh, in early age. I mean, normally the people wouldn't allow someone who is 24, 25 to be alone in London uh, with some uh, CEOs and right. uh, others. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We hope you gained valuable insights and new ideas. To keep listening to future episodes, please head over to iTunes or your favorite player and subscribe and give it a rating. We would very much appreciate a review and for you to share it on social media so more people can start innovating in how they offer employment. Until the next time, goodbye.